Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. On this episode of Parts Per Billion, we hear from a Republican who believes climate change is real and wants to raise taxes. Wait, what? Privet, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the podcast from Bloomberg Environment. I'm your host, David Schultz. So, as you may have heard, Democrats are back in control of the House of Representatives. And with this regained power, some Democratic lawmakers are proposing a so-called Green New Deal. It's a pretty big legislative package, but one of the things it would do is impose a new tax on carbon emissions, these being the primary driver of global climate change. But Democrats, of course, don't have an absolute grip on power here in Washington. To get any bill to become a law, or even just to get it to the president's desk, they'll need the help of more than a few Republicans. So what do Republicans think about a new carbon tax? We spoke with one who is all for it. Alex Flint is the head of the Alliance for Market Solutions, a group of conservative CEOs and former Republican officeholders who, quote, respect climate change science and support replacing regulations with a revenue-neutral carbon tax. Flint's Republican credentials are pretty strong. He was a senior staffer at the Senate Energy Committee for a long time and also served on the Trump transition team. Before Flint joined the alliance, he was a lobbyist for the nuclear power industry. So just to clarify... Flint is a Republican who wants to create a whole new tax. I started off by asking him in his dream scenario, how exactly would a carbon tax work? Yeah, so I think the the first thing to do is to appreciate that to address climate change, we have to change some of our behaviors. We have to innovate. We have to innovate the way we use energy and the efficiency of the ways in which we use energy, right? So we need to transform the fuels that we're using and the ways that we use them. And, and so really, it's a question of what's the best way to do that. And there are various approaches. We can regulate. We can ban the use of certain technologies or certain fuels. Uh, we can subsidize things. We can give people money for doing certain things that we like, beneficial behaviors. Or we can create a market. And so, so regulating, I guess, in this sense would be the government saying fossil fuels are banned starting tomorrow. Or, the- or, or a variety of things. I mean, a ban is, is an extreme version yeah. of it. But, you know, currently, you know, in the last administration, there was a clean power plan that would have affected what we could use to generate electricity. Uh, the CAFE provisions, the corporate average fuel efficiency standards, made, mandated what kind of cars we can buy. Uh, the ethanol provisions mandated that all of the transportation fuels contain some amount of corn as, as energy. The DOE efficiency standards mandate what type of refrigerators, air compressors, light bulbs, et cetera. So it's the government saying you can buy only the following things or you have to behave the following way. And then a, a subsidy would be 
we're going to the government's going to give you money if you use solar panels or wind or other renewables or things like that. Right, and and subsidies work. Subsidies change behavior. The challenge is that the size of the energy market is massive. Right, last in 2017. Uh, globally, $1.5 trillion was invested in new energy generation and distribution. When you look at the amount of subsidies it takes to change a market that large, it's massive. It's billions and billions or even trillions of dollars over time. And frankly, we're fiscal conservatives. Uh, you know, The government is running a trillion-dollar-a-year deficit right now, and we're $22 trillion in debt. The notion of spending our way out of this problem is daunting. Subsidies work, but they're extremely expensive. And you also have the problem that you then have federal policymakers deciding what to subsidize. And the experience has been that that's not the best way to affect markets. So you're advocating for the third approach, uh, which is creating a market. And it sounds like the way you want to do that is to tax carbon emissions. Uh, how would that create a market for uh, uh, low carbon or no carbon energy? So right now, anybody across the economy who emits CO2 into the atmosphere does so for free. And what we're suggesting is that there's a cost associated with doing that. The cost is manifest through climate change, uh, but what we need to do is we need to assign a price to that through a tax that says anyone who emits CO2 into the atmosphere has to pay a tax associated with that. What that does is it causes everybody in the economy to try to avoid that tax because people don't like that. And based on some of the reading, uh, you know, very cursory reading I've done, it sounds like the big question, though, is what do you do with the revenue that is then generated from that tax, the new tax? The government's going to be collecting a lot of tax revenue. What do you do with that? Does the government then keep it and spend it on other things, or do you get rid of other taxes? Right. So the answer from a, from an economics point of view is that we have to consider all of the taxes that the government collects, right? Three and a half trillion dollars a year in revenue every year, and we spend four and a half trillion. That's why we have a deficit problem. From an economics perspective, taxes on consumption are good because they reduce consumption and they encourage investment. Uh, on the other hand, taxes on earnings and income are discourage earnings and income. And one of the things we need to do is we need to be growing the economy by encouraging earnings and income, by encouraging economic growth. And so the best thing to do from an economic perspective is to take the revenue from a carbon tax and cut income and earnings taxes. When you say cut, do you mean cut, like eliminate, or just reduce drastically? So our suggestion is every dollar that is collected as a carbon tax should be used to reduce earnings and income taxes. You can imagine things like the payroll tax going away or individual income taxes going down or the corporate rate going down. All right, so we're implementing a new carbon tax and getting rid of the income tax and maybe even the corporate tax. How exactly do we do this? And I don't mean how do we write the legislation, but how do you cobble together enough votes in Congress to actually make this thing into a law? More on that after this quick break. So we're talking to Alex Flint, head of a Republican advocacy group that's pushing for a new tax on carbon emissions. I asked about how to make any kind of carbon tax a reality, given the current state of our politics. It's very hard to see much of anything happening in this Congress, right? This is a very divided, difficult time in the Congress. There, there's, But the long-term realities will drive action, right? The, the, the evidence, the manifestation of climate change is becoming more real to individuals as well as to politicians. So over the next several years, there will be an increasing insistence that we address climate. 
At the same time, we've got a number of fiscal issues that are ripening, right? The, the recently passed individual tax cuts expire in 2025. So for most people, that means their taxes are going to go up in 2025. Deficits continue to grow in that time frame. And at the same time, we have several federal trust funds that go insolvent between 2023 and 2032, some very big like Medicare and Social Security and some highway trust fund, pension benefits, guaranteed corporation, those sorts of things. So the government faces these fiscal challenges of already set to increase taxes, increasing deficits, trust funds going insolvent. There has to be fiscal reform. So our view is that over the next several years, as climate becomes an increasingly important thing for which there is a political impetus for action, and these fiscal considerations consider to grow, as we say, a carbon tax is justified by climate and necessitated by fiscal considerations. And and yet, I mean, you still have many people in the, the Republican caucus right now, both in the House and the Senate, who don't believe that climate change is real at all, let alone what we should should do about it. I mean, we had our carbon tax bill in the last Congress. It was uh, supported by three Republicans. Two of them are no longer in Congress. We had a resolution uh, condemning a carbon tax in the last Congress. Only six Republicans voted against that. And I think three or four of them are no longer in Congress. How does the current Republican Party, such as it is, get on board with a carbon tax, given this that they're so far away from even acknowledging that climate change is even real? So I, I, frankly, I think that's a perspective that is at best a few months out of date. Right? We have seen a transformation in the Republican conversation of climate in just the last couple of months. Now, at AMS, we've been in talking in private to Republicans now for almost two years, and we have seen a willingness to acknowledge the problem and to discuss serious policy responses in, in, in private. In, in private, and yes, I recognize that. But but what we're seeing is that that acknowledgement is real, but so is trepidation about the politics of the issue. Now, just in the last couple of months, as the Green New Deal has frankly dragged Democrats far to the left to what I consider to be really an irresponsible position, what's happened is they've opened up the middle of the political spectrum for reasonable Republicans. And you've seen people like Congressman Shimkus and Upton and Walden and, and McKinley, even from West Virginia, move into this space, acknowledging that climate is real, and then asking, as Bill Flores from Texas said, a Republican from Texas said, we all acknowledge the problem. What we have to decide on is what to do. And I think that's a, very, a genuine representation of where a lot of Republicans are today. Do you think that if Republicans take back the House next year, hang on to the Senate and keep the White House, uh, you know, so regain all the branches of government, does that make it more or less likely that a carbon tax will be enacted? So we don't do forecasting like that because, one, it's, it's virtually impossible to be correct. And secondly, recognize that we see two macro trends affecting this. The first, as I said, is the reality of climate change, and the second is the fiscal issues. Those issues are evolving in a way that transcends two-year electron milestones. Really, the long-term issue here is we have a real problem with climate driven by global population growth, global economic growth that is compelling, that is going to become more real for Americans as they feel that experience individually. Uh, and secondly, these fiscal issues are on a path where there needs to be some remedy. They converge at some time a few years from now, a carbon tax 
really is going to be competing at the center of that as part of the solution. And it doesn't have anything to do with who wins in any, every two years. That's interesting. So, so from your perspective, it's almost, an, I don't want to say an inevitability, but it sounds like regardless of what the political situation will look like in, let's say, two, three, four years, you feel like the carbon tax will have to become a part of the discussion because of just the fiscal reality and the climate reality. And who wins or who loses is sort of immaterial to you guys. Absolutely. And there's another factor that drives that. Um, a carbon tax from, an econo- from a purely economic theory perspective is the most efficient way to address carbon pollution. So whenever an alternate proposal is put forward, it is going to be compared to a carbon tax, and a carbon tax is going to be relatively affordable. That's interesting, though. I mean, it, so it seems like... It, I, I'm just struck by your confidence that, that it do, doesn't matter. It feels like it, it, you know, it has to matter a little bit at least who is in power and who you know what the Republican Party looks like in the future. Because uh, I guess if that's the case, that it doesn't matter. Do you guys not advocate for particular candidates? Do you not back this candidate over that one? So we are very pleased when responsible Republicans speak about climate. Climate change is emerging as an important differentiating issue in Republican races around the country. There is now a fair amount of polling that indicates that climate change is becoming an important differentiating issue for Republicans running for office. Uh, it tends to attract swing voters to, to support those candidates who recognize the need to address this issue. Uh, we think it is going to be an issue that Republicans can run on and be successful in swing districts, which, pr- frankly, are the districts that determine who controls the majority in the House and the majority in the Senate. One of the last things I wanted to ask you about uh, is how the fossil fuel industry plays into this. Because, uh, you know, this may be an incorrect assumption, but I'm assuming that the fossil fuel industry can't be thrilled with the idea of a carbon tax. The fossil fuel industry right now holds so much sway over the Republican Party. There are so many jobs in Republican districts that are tied to that industry. What you're talking about, you know, the reality that you think is coming around the corner a few years from now would mean that it seems like the Republican Party just abandons the the fossil fuel industry, and and I don't see that happening. So let me share a very different perspective to to what you, you just suggested. So I'm a Republican energy policy insider. We have a different conversation with certainly the major oil and gas producers than the one that you just sort of uh, made some assumptions about. The major oil and gas producers are scientifically very well informed. They prefer a carbon tax over the uncertainty of regulations and under the uncertainty of subsidies because subsidies tend to get turned on and off. They're actually fairly responsible participants in this. What we need to do is we need to get the politicians increasingly aligned with the fossil fuel companies in trying to create a solution set that can be long-term, that can be predictable. Because, like ExxonMobil, ExxonMobil recognizes this issue. They have supported a carbon tax. So have other major oil and gas companies. So if I'm, if I'm understanding you right, it sounds like you're saying the problem is not that the Republican Party is tied so closely to the fossil fuel industry. The problem is they're actually out of touch with the fossil fuel industry. So look, one of the things that we have found is that while Republican politicians were not interested in engaging on climate, corporations did not go lobby them on climate. They lobbied them on other issues that the members were more interested in working on. 
now that we're seeing a change in Republican politicians' willingness to acknowledge climate, we are helping facilitate a transformation in the conversation. So one of the things we do is we take corporations and Republican policymakers and we say, hey, you all need to get to know one another. You need to know that you, member of Congress, are talking to us, AMS, about climate, and AMS is talking to this corporation about climate. We need to have this conversation together, and we are fostering that conversation. It is transforming, because now, for the first time, the corporations really are telling these members of Congress, yes, we really do need you, Republican member of Congress, to take action on this, and politicians are saying, oh, so you're really serious about this, and the companies are saying, yes, we're really serious about this. That was Alex Flint, executive director of the Alliance for Market Solutions, talking about Republicans and a carbon tax. For much more of our reporting on climate change, taxes, and pretty much everything else environmentally related, visit our website at news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Our episode today was produced by myself and Jessica Coombs. Marissa Horn is our editor, and Nicholas Anzalata is our audio engineer. Special production help today from Chuck McCutcheon. Thanks, Chuck. The music for this episode of Parts Per Billion is A Message by Jazar and Upstate by Henning Schmitz. Thanks for listening. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.